Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode four of the Coach Fury podcast. I am super excited to have my friend and fellow faction member, Kristen Callahan, on the podcast today. Uh, I had a great feedback on the Mark Fisher episode, and someone was like, you know, Fury, you have access to all of these, you know, known great coaches that you can have on this, and which is like kind of really unbelievable that I've made certain friends here. Um, but what I really want this podcast to be is also is like, so you guys can see some of the gems that might not be on all the other podcasts, like people that I just think are excellent trainers that I've gotten to know. So Kristen is one of those. If you listen to the Todd Bumgarner episode, as I plug every previous episode, all three of them at this point, um, I mentioned Kristen's blog that she wrote for Strength Faction that I'm going to talk about as well. So, uh, Kristen, say hello. Tell us where you're from and what you do. Hello, podcast world. Um, I'm Kristen. I work as a personal trainer in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I live in Medford, as the locals tell me to pronounce it, but I grew up much like yourself on Long Island. Um, Strong Island. Notice how I said on Long Island, too, us natives. Yeah, that is true. I never even <laughs> thought of that before. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Cool. So one of the things I want to talk about is let, let's get this blog talk out. So we host <laughs> on Strength Faction, we host Q&As twice a week, usually on a Wednesday afternoon and Thursday evening. And sometimes we have guest speakers and sometimes just the faction founders um, host it or the mentors. And this was actually the first one that I had done on a Wednesday. And we had just gotten into some loose conversation about nothing in particular. And all of a sudden Kristen throwed out throughout the sentence. Well, without faction, I wouldn't still be a trainer. And I think not only did everyone on the video screens of, of our video conference service was like mouths drop a little bit, but I think a lot of us could all relate to it. Mm. And about a week later, she wrote, I think did I, I pushed for that blog a little bit, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote a great blog about it because I think it's important because we talked about it with Todd that like trainers do struggle a lot um, and the outside world doesn't really get to see it and they don't necessarily need to see it. But I think it's important when other trainers of different levels of experience and success, success realize that we're sort of all in that together, that those, you know, uh, social media marketers and, you know, get rich quick type of schemes aren't really in it. A lot of us are grinding out just trying to be excellent coaches because when we're good, we help people, right? Because that's what it comes down to. So Kristen, can you talk a little bit about what you were feeling and what was maybe like wearing you out a little bit on the business and then how did Faction turn that around? And I don't mean this folks to be an ad for Faction, for Strength Faction, uh, but I think it's important because we can relate to it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I've talked about this with another member staff, I think, uh, she like it's literally in not to it's not, I'm not exaggerating to say like the faction has changed my life like in tenfold I can't even I mean I've gotten to have so many not just colleagues but good friends out of it it's just like it's not like any other professional development group so I think it deserves it um, but to go back to your question Jesus um, I, I'm someone that like, I was always looking for a career and I wasn't finding it, you know, like I'm interested in a lot of things, but there was nothing that was that thing that made me super passionate. I know like once I found it, like what I was looking for is something that would be not just a job, something I could 
almost live and breathe, <laughs> which I definitely found with training because <laughs> you kind of have to do that. Yeah. Um, and so this is like a year process. I'm a, uh, or many years, it's a lifelong process of this. And so then I actually started as a member at the place where I currently work and then got into teaching group fitness classes and there was another trainer there who was a good friend of mine and she kept telling me just get your shirt stop being stupid it's easy just do it um took me six months to finally take her up on her advice <laughs> and then um well one thing she lied to me about is that it's not easy it's a tough job but um I think a lot of what happens and I've talked to some of my uh, some other trainers too is like when you're starting out like it's I don't think we realize just how much or how it can sometimes be, can be perceived as a, lot, a big sales job. And in some places they, they structure your position that way. And I think a lot of like, I think this is why we're seeing a lot of the smaller studio gyms from people that had that kind of, for lack of a better term, upbringing as trainers. And we're like, eh, this isn't why I wanted to do this. So that's what it was starting to feel like. Like, everything all the conversations were about numbers and sales and how many people you're turning over and why didn't you turn this person over and um like that's not why i started that's not why i wanted to be a trainer it's fitness has had a huge impact on my life it's made like it's literally saved my life honestly and i want I wanted to, I want to sort of impart that to other people. I don't want them to have to struggle like I did. And so then to everything to be like turning it into a number, I'm like, but these are people, these are people that we can help. And that part was missing for me a lot. And then I'm not a very organized person. So <laughs> um, having to keep track of that kind of stuff and um, do computer work, especially to be a bit of a snob on Microsoft stuff. I have a hard time with that because I am very much more in the artistic brain kind of thing of like a little bit of chaos, a little bit of, I don't like lines. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think that's a, it's a big thing that a lot of people don't realize. So I'm like you, I, I was a member at a gym, five points Academy and I just started seeing the results like you that fitness had on me, like as a dad and as somebody that um, I'd gone through a, a sh shoulder surgery as like a skateboarder that was pretty out of shape. And then a knee surgery as somebody who was in shape, but not knowing what he was doing. And then finding like actually like properly, like somebody in teaching a class, like Emily Bearden's kettlebell classes, um, Steve Mills's kettlebell classes, like how to actually look at form and do mm. it right and not to waste time uh, is a game changer. And at this time, you know, I already had my daughter, so I just wanted to be a strong dad. And then suddenly I had somebody show me how to move well where I wasn't getting banged up, but also making the most of my time. So I wasn't spending an hour and a half in the gym. Um, or if I was, it was for kettlebell training and Muay Thai, uh, not just because I'm like doing curls and that crunch machine. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on that crunch machine with the handles behind your head. Oh, and, you know, for, so I came up from like a mom and pop or a pop and pop gym. And I, you know, the pressure for sales was really on me, right? Because I needed mm -hmm. money. It wasn't really ever applied for them. And I was super grateful for it. And then meeting trainers from the big box gyms. For those out there, out there that aren't trainers, and I hope aren't, this isn't all trainers listening, um, a lot of the big box gyms, your success is dictated on how many sessions you sell per week. 
And it, you know, look, it's a business that's important and these things are expensive, but the competition aspect that arises from that, the stress that arises from that, it, you know, when the goal is to help somebody that does carry a burden. It's a lot of reasons often a new, somebody wants to become a trainer and they'll get a job at a big box gym as their first gig. And then within like two or three weeks, a lot of them don't stick through it because they don't realize mm -hmm. that's not, it's not what they thought it was. I think at MFF, you know, members see us having so much fun that it doesn't seem as much work that right. sometimes too, you go and you got to, you know, you put in for your NASM or your ACE or whatever. And then that's like textbook studies. And then you start to realize in the hours, like, wow, like you're actually giving a lot right? Because you got to give to be able to get out of somebody. So then throw on that financial stress of that um, is a lot to take in, especially when you're new and trying to find your career. So I think, <laughs> I think like so many people are going to completely be there with you. Yeah. So w when did the change start when you decided to make that decision to be a trainer? Like when, when it became less of a suggestion and more of a call to action for you? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, so I was, I think if I sat down, I was actually working like six different jobs, not that I needed to be physically at them all. Um, so basically I was piecing together. Uh, I was doing group fitness instructing. I from copy editing nuclear physics, which I don't know anything about. So don't ask me about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was also working on call for a florist. Oh God. Oh, had a little mini landscaping business doing that. So it was just like, I was doing all of these things to sort of piece together an income and just still kind of searching. And then I remember it was like Christmas time and I had took like a week off, which I hadn't taken a real legitimate break in probably years. Cause he, cause, because the copy editing is on the computer, so I always take it with me. Yeah. And I was like, after that, I was like, holy shit, I'm really fucking tired of working six different jobs. I just want one thing. And that's when it really kicked in, and that's when I was like, let's just do this. Oh, that's cool. It's funny, though, because then as a trainer, you start to realize you need six different revenue streams <laughs> to make a living. Right. They, they just all become fitness-related. Right, which is it's fine at least because it, I don't know, it's, it works for my brain. It becomes focused. I, I remember yeah. I, I was just a fan of kettlebells and at the time five points was hosting HKCs uh, and they were really the, the only RKC certified gym at the time. Uh, things have certainly ex exploded since then. And, uh, I took a cert basically because my swings were still getting in my lower back and I hadn't learned mm. to get up. Like that was really it. I took the HKC to get a better swing and learn to get up. And then, you know, found out about ultimate sandbags and, and just people would show me or I'd find something and I'd try to get, you know, take the course, right? Like TRX, I had a TRX I got off of Craigslist, which I still use. It's still like the only one I've had now, seven and a half years later. And, uh, you know, took the course just because I didn't know what the hell I was doing with it. And it was in the training route for my first RKC, which is actually, um, we're recording this on September 20th. It's coming out in about two weeks. Uh, I think today is my seven year anniversary as an RKC, which means like the following day would make um, the first day that I started us seven years as a uh, part-time trainer. Um, awesome. And it was on that route that I'm like, you know, maybe I can like 
just help some people and have some fun teaching classes. And I started part-time and Steve Mellis, my former boss uh, and mentor was just really great about it. I was like, I was super nervous. I remember being really nervous about what he would think about just, you know, some random dude asking about classes and <laughs> uh, about teaching classes. And then I had an old friend from visual effects world. My previous career is in visual effects named Keith Payne and Keith had opened up nimble fitness in New York. And I hadn't really spoken to him since. So I reached out for him and it was like, I, I had a nice sit down with him about like, what do you think about me becoming a trainer? And he had saw the physical change in my appearance and just in what we were talking about. And he was super supportive. So I went back and I asked Steve Millis, I was like, Steve, what do you think about me teaching classes? And he basically said, uh, pass your RKC. So it was pretty straightforward from there. And then I just remember like trying to get as many classes and as many sessions as I could part-time with my real job of visual effects until like I just wasn't home at all and that became all encompassing and one had to go and I just you know made the jump and it's like a big decision um I think some people make it lightly thinking it's like you know I'll get these clients I'll go in for my hour and I'll I'll cash the check but then I think for a lot of us we realize you know uh from an education standpoint from uh an emotional standpoint from a communication standpoint that it's a lot and it's great, guys. I'm not like, this is one of the, in my opinion, this is one of the greatest industries you could be a part of. Um, so I think that's cool. So what in particular in the strength faction curriculum of that phase made it, made it different for you? Um, well, first I wanted to say too, like I'm not, I'm not like slagging their business model because it is what it is and I get it. I just wish there was a little bit more of the other piece of the puzzle of like, hey, we're also trying to help people. Um, let's teach you how to teach them better. So I just wanted to say that too. Um, well, I think the biggest piece was seeing that, first of all, when I first joined, like the first, I legitimately think I didn't say anything on a, on a Q and A for three months. Like it was terrifying. I thought all of the things that you think as a new person to a new environment, I thought everyone had way more experience than me. I thought, I didn't know any enough stuff. I thought I was like the only hot mess in the group. And <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of hot messes in the group. There's a lot of hot messes in the group. So once that started to become clear to me, like, oh shit, like, you know, people who've been doing this for way longer than me were having some of the same struggles, uh, especially like with the organization and time management, which is something I still struggle with, like to see and learn that it just opened up my whole world. And I was like, this is normal. I'm not, I'm not a freak. I'm not an outlier. This is normal. Yeah. I think, and again, I don't think you came across as like shit talking the business at all. I think sometimes we come to fitness as, you know, uh, artists and commerce, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. we, we're an artist in this field, but there has to be like a, uh, you know, a financial thing or, or it falls apart. So it's riding that middle line. I mean, I, clearly I think that's one of the great successes of, of, of MFF is they were able to really create a strong business model. But I think it's from an intuitive, uh, potentially they do a very good intuitive job where it's not as like in your face pressure driven. Um, you know, and a lot of it, hopefully, ideally word of mouth, like you work hard, you, you, you get your clients, they keep coming back, retention happens and it builds organically, but it's hard when there's a clock. I remember, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the last job I sort of had 
like that was I, I worked at the gap after college for like literally I think I did one paycheck like <laughs> I cannot see you at the gap and, uh, it was literally I was that guy I remember I'd be the greeter like hi thank you for coming to the shopping at the gap can I help you find something and you know as any street cred I had which was non <laughs> negatives uh, I remember them coming up to me and being like you know uh, Steve we really need you to try to work on on selling more and I'm like, like look, I, I offer to help stuff, but I'm not going to throw plain front khakis in somebody's face. Uh, actually, back in the day, these would still be pleated, by the way. Pleated khakis oh, in somebody's uh. face. Um, and I remember really struggling with that. Like, how do you turn this into a business? Now, take that a few years later, and, well, probably seven years later, and I get an advertising, and suddenly it's all about, like, these big accounts, right? It's like, mm. now I'm trying to maintain and not mess up like multi-million dollar accounts. I'm like, how the hell did I get here? I'd rather sell khakis for a moment. Um, <laughs> like it was a weird switch in skill set. So I don't think you were um, shit talking anything like that. I just think we all get surprised by certain aspects of what we do. Well, too, and also like I, I've worked like a million different jobs and a lot of it was in retail. And I just think about like how, what I like when I go into a store and I hate when people do that to me. Like, fuck off. Like, I'm just looking, you know? I'm the like, same way. I'm such a browser. Yeah. Just let me browse. And it's a dying art of the browse, right? Now that is like, uh, you know, e-commerce is such a big thing. Like, I like to go into a store, look around, not be bothered, and then I'll make a decision. And if I need help with the size, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask for that. And then yeah. they say, it's whatever we have is on the floor. You're out of luck, right? <laughs> right, like right. But it's um, a little bit like meditation. I don't know. Like, I'm just, I just like to look at things. Like, just. I, I know. Well, my first job in visual effects was at a place near, called Quiet Man uh, near Times Square. And I remember, you know, it'd be really stressful. So I'd go to Virgin Megastore at the time just to look at DVDs and CDs, just to zen out and maybe pick up something, you know, like, and, and we're losing that, mm -hmm. um, that art of it. So my same thing, only mine were shoes. That's what I like. <laughs> I go look at shoes. Yeah, I never really gave much for shoes. <laughs> I was more of a dress guy. Now I'm a woman's <laughs> leggings for, for training guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it switched to for me too. <laughs> um, so how is, uh, so now that you found like sort of rekindled your stoke in training, like how, how does, does, how does the burden feel? Is it, is it still as heavy or is it, does it just feel different or does it actually feel lighter? I'd say a mix of the last two, a little different, a little lighter. Um, I think for multiple reasons, first of all, I feel way more confident in my skills as a coach. Um, for when I started the biggest piece of the puzzles, like I just didn't, I didn't want to hurt somebody. And I felt like they're giving me a really big responsibility I feel like I didn't know shit. So to just hear, like, here's how they do sales tips, like, that wasn't good enough for me. Um, so, like, just learning more. Yeah. When I went, I went and got my FMS 1 and 2. Luck, I, like, lucked into having Lee Burton as my instructor. Like, holy shit. What an honor. And it blew my mind, especially to hear this guy is like, you know what? I've been in the industry for 20 years, and the more I learn, the more I know I don't know anything. And I was just like, amazing. So it's not yeah. just me feeling stupid here. Um, so just kind of being relentless in my pursuit of education and then having a support system, which 
is what the faction is for me. Like I have really good coworkers, but a lot of them think differently from me. I'm really, really stubborn about certain things. So, and grew up in New York. So we like to just say whatever's on our mind and we don't realize like when that, when we take that out of the city or out of the New York area, including you in there, New Jersey, um, people don't know how to take that. Yeah. Um, so everyone, most, more of the people in the faction are more like, we're a lot of straight shooters. And like, for me to be around that, it's helpful. And then to have that support system of like, Hey, I'm having a really shitty day or this is really hard. And for, to get that feedback from your colleagues in front city, like, how can we help you? Like, and it's also something that's new to me. Like I was never, I grew up in a gaggle of children. There's five of us with the seven year age gap between the oldest and the youngest. So we're all smushed together. That is chaos. <laughs> you know, it, it is, it was, and it is, but I have to, my, I don't, and clearly not my mother's daughter because she was incredibly organized and <laughs> she <laughs> managed the chaos very well. Any other person would have ended up in a lunatic asylum. But, um, so, um, you kind of sometimes feel like you get lost in the crowd and I totally lost where I was going with that. Take me back. Where were, where were we, Fury? I don't know. We were spending a, a morning in, it was a little bit about like not fitting in and then finding that, that base of support. Cause you yeah. oh, okay. in your neck of the woods too, there, there happens, there's like pockets, there's like strength faction is everywhere, but there's like pockets of us where there's suddenly like a, a large concentration and there's you guys, you guys of us up there. Up there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting bigger every time. Um, so, right. Okay. That's where I was going. So I, I don't know. I kind of have always been the kind of person that plays like my real feelings close to the vest, even though I'm not good at hiding them. So I have, the exact opposite of whatever resting bitch face is. Mine is like every expression that crosses my mind <laughs> gets to be displayed and everyone knows what I'm thinking all the time, even though I don't talk about it. I never really talked about it a lot. And that's one of the things that like some of the stuff and like hearing other people talk about it has made me talk about my things more and just the response to it. Like that blog, like when we had that Q and A, I said that like, it, blew me away that everyone responded like that. Yeah. It, it's interesting. You know, it's funny too. I, I can't even remember when you were like one of the quiet people. in <laughs> and I mean that in the best way is when we have these video Q and A's, there might be like as many as like 26 people on it, but basically like five people will actively talk and then like somebody will call out the others to ask a question. And you, you among some of them, uh, some of the other members really, I thought it got vocal pretty quickly. And I think that helped a lot of people sort of open up to it. Cause I think that communication between us, it's one thing to soak in the knowledge sort of from behind the screen and, and just, you know, uh, passively participate. And it's another one to like actively get in it because you might say something wrong or you might say something really smart, but unless we say it, we don't know. So how do you judge your baseline? Right. Um, right how Todd was calling it like, you know, the echo chamber, we have to break out of that somehow. And I think that's been 
super useful. I remember on one of the Q and A's, somebody was talking about scheduling issues and like how the gym wouldn't adapt to schedules. And I think I heard like half the question. I made like a really hard line answer. And then I realized like, I don't think I even answered the question at all. And I just felt like <laughs> such a dick. Well, I was also grateful that I like voiced it up because if I didn't, I would have just sat there thinking I was smart and I'd said something dumb and nobody called me out on it, but I, but I, I caught it for myself. Um, and I think that's like, you know, we're, we're all trying to find our families. And I think that the, you know, we've, we've sort of managed to find that. I don't think that's going to go away anywhere. Um, let's talk about Long Island for a moment. We're going to step away from fitness. For so we're basically like one or two towns over. So I'm from Levittown, Long Island, and you're from Farmingdale, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also where uh, Harold Gibbons is from and where Billy has his gym. Um, at least I think the new location for Billy's place is still in, mm-hmm. Billy Rahm is still in Farmingdale. Um, what was your favorite mall? <sighs> so, I mean, I think the answer to that is it depends, like, what you were looking for, because we have, we were kind of equidistant between Sunrise and Walt Whitman. So, at the time, and they still, and they've got, well, it's only gotten even more pronounced their, their difference, right? Like, for those of you outside of the New York Long Island area, Sunrise Mall's nickname is the Dirt Mall. <laughs> so true. And Walt Whitman Mall, even more now, is like full of all these posh stores. I think there's a Nordstrom there now. There's a Neiman Marcus. Like all of the big name retailers are there. So they were polar opposite ends of the spectrum. So I think it like it depended on why you were going to the mall. So if you just wanted to like walk around and not have orange julius because that shit's disgusting but get some sparrows and hang out with friends (laughs) the dirt mall was where it's at um or you needed something from jc (laughs) penny which is funny because now jc penny's like the big mall in the city like that 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 big mall in herald square was like the ans plaza then it was the manhattan mall and now it's like the jcp mall Oh, really? Yeah, and I've never really, I haven't shopped in there since I was a kid, but I actually got my shirt from my wedding from there, and, like, they literally have stuff still for a penny. This is super <laughs> informative, guys. Give JCP, uh, JCP a, uh, a look out. They have good deals there. They do. They do. I've gotten some big curtains there. <laughs> yeah, I would have to go with uh, Sunrise Mall is my favorite mall, though I worked at the comic shop in Nassau Mall for a while. Um, I never really went to Nassau Mall because the, then I, my high school was by Walt Whitman Mall, so we would go there after, after school. I've only gone to Walt Whitman a couple of times. The, the, a, a girl in high school I dated from Huntington or from Dix Hills, I went there and I bought her a Valentine's Day gift. And it was like a bear with a heart and like a Matt Groening book from, uh, remember, was it Life is Hell before The Simpsons blew yes. up? And like <laughs> the crystal clear image that I'm getting that right now, I want to punch myself in the face and the dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for doing that and of course i made a cassette mixtape for her on my my dual cassette deck oh my um, god for that like one month relationship all right. <laughs> it was pretty hot and, and out of my reach but it worked for a little bit um <laughs> the dirt mall was where it at it was at is where it was at though because that was like they had multiple arcades not just one uh they had a duck pond with live ducks inside oh it oh my god i forgot about that and they used to have like this joke shop where you could get like pre-spencers like fake vomit and and fart stuff so i'm a bit older than you so like i like that place i saw like tron and rescue was down under there like i remember that oh (laughs) yeah the movie theater i probably saw tron there too but they didn't have a comic book store so that sucks so nassau mall had a comic book store most of the time it moved around a little bit and then they had a 
an arcade. And I remember one day I was like, you know, a dirtbag kid and we were messing around in the arcade and I hit change out of my friend's hand and it went flying quarters. And then all of a sudden, like this really big dude came over, big metalhead guy. And uh, he must've been at least four years older than me. And he was like, he went to my friend. He's like, did you throw that? And he's like, no, I'm like, oh, sorry, man. I hit it out of his head. And he just punched me in the face, <laughs> like straight up. And I didn't know what to do. Like it didn't hurt, but it stunned me. And I was like, this guy's huge. <laughs> so we just left. And then I was always nervous about going back there and wondering if this guy was going to punch me in the face again. It's one of those things where I'm like, I lived in like too much fear as a kid. And it was like this one random fucking dude. And he probably didn't know who I was. But yeah, I got socked (laughs) in the arcade at Nassau Mall for knocking change out of Chris Famiano's hands. Oh, my God. I actually worked at the Sunrise Mall for a little bit at the Eddie Bauer there. Oh, see, that's a little more high scale. Now, now, like. Now it's, it feels like it's just a big flea market now with a Macy's attached. <laughs> I haven't been in there in years. <laughs> we should go. The next faction meetup is going to be there. Yeah. We'll go to the, is that uh, all you can eat place still across the street? I don't know, but my stomach hurts <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> I think I'll just throw that in the toilet and save the effort, the digestive effort. Oh, we already got food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go back to fitness world a little bit. So you have a unique experience, uh, um, not only uh, as being a woman, and not that it's unique, there's a lot of great women trainers. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like I think a lot of people would agree that on the higher ups and the people that get more opportunities to speak, high pro- higher profile, legitimate trainers. I'm not talking about like, uh, what is that show, Fattest, Biggest Loser? Right? Yeah. Biggest Loser, yeah, trainers, yeah. celebrity trainers, right? Yeah. I'm not talking about like the Gwyneth Paltrow set. I'm talking about, you know, the Perform Better crew. You don't hear as much as you do from a lot of the guys. Um, but you also have a unique experience that your gym is, is all women right now. What do you find there that sort of sets that apart than what you might find, you know, at a, at a, at another gym that is more mixed in gender? Yeah. Well, first of all, the biggest thing, and this was when I joined the faction, what are you, what, one of the big things that everyone talks about all the time, especially with the smaller gyms is like creating a community at an all women's gym that just happens automatically because we just talk to each other like it's just a thing women are whatever you want to say not to say that all women are but more social creatures we're more conversational so it literally just happens um as part of the reason I started working there like you go to the same classes all the time you meet some of the same women and you just start talking to each other um So that's one thing that's super cool about it is like, that's the difference. I think for a lot of women who have maybe had negative experiences with men, um, it's a great outlet for them to be somewhere like that safe space. Um, especially, and also for women of certain religions, it's a, it's a refuge for them that they can be there and not have to worry necessarily about, um, covering up. So we do have male trainers, although right now there aren't any on staff. Um, but in general, like it gives them that freedom. So that part's really cool. It's also, I know my experience is unique because there's probably about 25 trainers on staff. And as I just said, there's not a single male trainer (laughs) right now. So it's completely different from the experience that probably most women have because a lot of times they're either the only female trainer or there's like one or two. 
So for me, it's kind of a weird thing to, when I leave that bubble, to be like, oh, right, I'm actually the minority in this field. <laughs> <laughs> is the attitude of the community, is it, is it overall, does it stay positive? Does it, um, having that many women all at one place, and I'd say this as if there was all men in one place, does it, does it, do you think that sparks extra competitiveness or uh, cattiness at times? Like I know from an agency perspective, like sometimes, you know, women, women agency producers and women visual effects producers, no matter how greatly skilled they were at their jobs, sometimes there's like this extra level of trying to prove it, one up each other. But I think that might be because there's a lot of dudes in the business as well. So like, does that go away in an all women environment? I think, yeah, I think I hear what you're trying to say is like women are, harder on other women they certainly can be yeah, they certainly can be and i think in i think i agree like not at least what you said about with the men not being there that definitely takes a big chunk of that out of there that being said <laughs> i will say i don't know how much you know about cambridge massachusetts but his nickname is the world's most opinionated zip code and cambridge definitely lives up to that for better <laughs> or for worse <laughs> i had no idea yeah so, um, there's a lot of opinions. Uh, I think as far among the, uh, among the staff, for the most part, considering what it could be, like what you mentioned before, like I've heard from other bigger gyms where like it can be super competitive. Like we have an unspoken rule about like poaching other people's clients. Like we just like, there might be one or two people who do it, but it's really, really frowned upon by everybody else. Um, and yeah, so it does, it has become, at least in the branch that I'm in, we're pretty collaborative, which is awesome as a staff. Um, as far as like the membership goes, I think for the most part, it's pretty supportive. You know, people are still people. There's always going to be the one bad apple. Occasionally you get the, that's my spot. <laughs> I love that stuff. Kind of deal. But um yeah, I would agree that a lot of that does kind of go out the window and I think it's it's particular to the location I'm at. So it was the first of the chain and this this guy back in I think it was the late 80s he sued them to say it was sexual discrimination or gender discrimination because it was an all women's gym. So they fought back and a lot of the members joined in the fight to change the law here in Massachusetts to make it legal to have an all women's facility. So there's a real sense of ownership with a lot of, a lot of those women are still members. So oh, that's like really a, cool. Yeah. So there's a sense of ownership and like we did this together, which is really cool. So I feel like that takes a lot of that. Um, I don't think I would have thought of the legalities of that. Like, I think in New York, we've always had like a Lucille Roberts or a Curves. I don't know if there's still a, I think there's definitely a Lucille Roberts down around Union Square. But we've always had that sort of as an outlet. Yeah, it's illegal in some states to have a single gendered facility. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd have no, no interest in like having a dude only facility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Too many, too many dudes flashbacks to my brother's room and all, all three of them shared a room oh man that smell was physical <laughs> um so uh do you have anything coming up 
Like, uh, are you going to any of the uh, seminars that are coming up on the faction land? Any workshops coming up? Oh, yes. I go as, to as many as I can. Some, mostly for the learning experience. Well, partly for the learning experience, but mostly so I get to hang out with all you people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go in, what is it, the first weekend of October. So right after this is airs, the faction is doing the, an event with the CF, the Certified Functional Strength Coach. So I'm yeah. going to be there. We're going to be, me and Steph going to be driving down and we're picking up Kirk and Wesley on the way. So awesome. it's going to be awesome. Uh, we'll see how my liver feels after that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to be able to make, I can't make it to that one. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to come down to the, the seminar at Warhorse in Philly in November. I'm going to try to make that one too. All right. Well, hey, uh, I think we're at the point. Where it's time to start wrapping up. Uh, any Ooh. final comments or thoughts? We've been going for almost an hour. That's crazy. Ah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's really cool how what we were kind of talking a little bit about this beforehand, like how women's fitness has changed um, and how a lot more women are getting away from, like you were talking about the celebrity trainers and yeah. getting into heavier strength training. And yeah, so if you have want to learn more about it like I am a big nerd and I love to talk about this stuff and you know you can hit me up on Facebook Kristen Callahan or I'm also on my prolific <laughs> Instagram account of maybe two you'll, posts maybe you start using that now <laughs> yeah I need to start using that and that was that's what is it at kcal kcal05 um but yeah I think it's really cool I think it's important that we kind of, kind of touched upon it and you brought that up. I know we had a, a staff meeting once at MFF where a lot of the women ninjas had, you know, brought up some concerns to the female trainers about, you know, um, potentially it's like too much of a dude party and, you know, having more, you know, of, of, of a leadership voice um, from the female coaches. And I think it's an interesting thing and it's, 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 it's almost, almost unfair that you have to, put yourself in that headspace from two points of view. Cause I never look at a male or a female trainer. I just look as they're good or a bad trainer. Right. Like I, I just, we all do the same thing. So if you're doing programs, if you and I were training somebody at a gym, I'm sure we'd be doing the exact same types of programs. So the gender becomes irrelevant. It becomes more for me. It becomes more about like the quality of your skill, but that's just me. And I have to remember that that is just me, that other people are looking, uh, for better or worse, more often than not, you guys differently, um, you ladies differently. Like I'm saying, guys, uh, I gotta, you know, even start I mean, being a little more aware of that. But I think that <laughs> it's an extra. I think it's a little bit of an extra weight that, like, I think you guys you get to miss by working in an all women's thing. But I, I would imagine every mm -hmm. time you go to a course, that lens then shifts a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and even I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes with the faction Q and A's, it's like I've noticed like I'm the only girl on the call right now, and like or female. I'm not a girl, but I mean, and that's okay. But like representation matters. You want to see yourselves like it's, it's why we find ourselves at this crossroads as a country too. It's like people are starting to see themselves represented in as, you know, first, first African-American president. We almost had a first woman president. Like that shit matters to people. You want to be able to see yourself. You want to be able to see yourself as that, could be your future and diversity matters. So it's not even just females. Like we need more, the more voices, the better, the yeah. more people that can see themselves having a better life. 
Oh my God. Yeah. At MFF and the snatch program, we'll say, you know, how you train is how you live, right? So the goal of training is to, to get ourselves better. But if we just leave it at ourselves, it's actually to like, if we can all get better, then we can actually help everyone get better, right? Together. And it is a grander thing. And, it, you know, trying to maintain that hyper awareness that's, that's getting lumped in and being over PC. But I think sometimes it's just like rethinking potentially douchey things we just took for granted, right? Like, I don't know why I say guys all the time and I often don't think about it, but I'm starting to say it too, <laughs> but it's also, it's like, you know, but like, where did that come from? I sometimes think about that stuff and I'm not trying to over monitor myself. Cause I come from like, you know, the, the, uh, airplane movie school of comedy, Mel Brooks school of comedy. If, if, if you make fun of everybody, including yourself, you're on a common ground and it's more of like, a, <laughs> it's more of like a window of what, you know, making fun of a window of what people with shitty thoughts are thinking, um, as opposed to actually meaning it. So, it's a juggle, but I, I do think that's an important change. And I'm not going to lie on the podcast. I'm making a conscious effort. Um, fortunately, I have a lot of wonderful female coaches and friends, but I, I don't want to have like suddenly like four to five weeks of just dudes. Like I have done something wrong if that happens. Um, so thank you for being the second female on the Coach Your podcast. Thank and you for crushing it. Crushing it. So um, – Everybody, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank Kristen for coming on. Um, she's going to be the fourth episode of my third interview. It's just the way these things are out. So I'm super stoked to have her on month one uh, going down on this. Uh, you know, she, I mentioned on Todd's making friends through Shrank Faction, and she's one of them. You know, you take the shot to talk to people, meet people, whether it's online or at a course. And, you know, she came and took original strength with me and, uh, you know, we're buddies now and now we're talking on a podcast and you're listening to us talk. And that's what part of this is about. Uh, and it's an important aspect of this, that it's not just the people you've already heard the names of. I, I want to share love, um, to friends that I think deserve it, right? Not whether or not they deserve it, but just good coaches uh, and more importantly, good humans, because you can be a good human and not a good coach and you're still winning. Um, so, uh, check me out, uh, at coachfury.com. Um, coach Fury podcast, uh, is on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you want to donate some money to me, uh, it's not a high sale here, but, uh, if you go to <laughs> patreon.com slash coach Fury podcast, you can make a donation to the podcast. If you're digging what I'm doing. Um, I want to thank everybody that's, uh, messaged me, texted me, called me, emailed me, made a comment on the early stages of this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's been uh, a love project of mine and to have like great feedback coming out of it's awesome. One of the things Chris and I talked about when she wrote her blog, I actually helped edit that blog, um, is we see so many deadlift videos and sometimes <laughs> I just don't want to shoot another deadlift video, but this time it's with a kettlebell and this time it's with the barbell. And, you know, again, am I making products or material for other trainers or am I trying to connect with people and help people on bigger things outside of the gym, right? The gym is such a small part of what we do. And if we open up about the hard stuff, people will relate. One of the most popular blogs I wrote for MFF was just about being awkward and growing comfortable <laughs> in being awkward, right? And uh, recently I wrote one uh, about like, you know, don't feel crazy if you think you might need mental health. Like, don't be embarrassed about that. Like, it's not because you, you don't have to be suicidal to see a psychologist. You just have to have problems that are wearing you down that you should deal with. And I think it was awesome that Kristen had the bravery to put that out there because those are the hardest ones to hit send and hit post on. Because once it's out there, it's out there. 
and you're opening up a little bit more of a window because I could show you how to swing a kettlebell. I can wear Godzilla tights when I do it. <laughs> but when, you know, you open up about something deeper, the people that will give you feedback, there might be fewer, it's going to mean more. Right. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for that. And just in general, um, everybody that's listening for having a part in this and I hope you're starting to see where this is going. Uh, it's not going to be like a fitness out too. We're going to chat with some friends, uh, and how fitness has helped us, but also about, you know, the great dirt malls of long Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We should make a book. <laughs> a photo book of the dirt malls of long Island. Um, anyway, folks, um, I want to take a moment to, I say this at the end, thank you to the FTW, my friends' bands, for the music at the beginning and the end of this. And for Glenn Urieta, if you look at the podcast, you're seeing some killer custom Godzilla art per, I can't wait to see what we come up for you on this, Kristen. I think we might be destroying a dirt mall. Um, uh, for, for supporting and put pitching that stuff in those two elements have helped make this podcast stand out more. Uh, so stoked for you guys on that one. Uh, if you're interested in taking one of my courses or training online, just go to coachfury.com. Everything's up there. Um, and keep listening every Tuesday, somebody new. I don't know who it's going to be after you yet, Kristen. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't tease that yet, but, uh, every Tuesday folks, uh, Kristen, will you close this by telling folks to die mighty? Die mighty bitches! <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Christine. Bye, everybody. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner. That's me for Fury Industries LLC. Music by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for merchandise, tour info, and the record. Artwork provided by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That is G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A or at Glenn Urieta on Instagram and Twitter.